and I and I don't ever uh, I don't ever want to uh, just have church. I, I want to have a word. I, I, time is too short, and and there are too many too many things that we could be doing. I, I want God to talk to us today. And I prayed and sought God. And I I don't really, and I don't say this boasting, but I've been in ministry long enough that I'm, I'm not terribly concerned about uh, just coming up with something new and, and inspirational. Um, I have literal journals and and every year I open a new journal as the year progresses. I fill it up with preaching and with thoughts and notes and meetings. And, and then I file it away. I've got a, an iPad with hundreds of messages. I, I, it's, it's not what am I going to preach. It's what do we need to hear today. Right? Yes. Because God has a word for this church. Yes. So when I prayed and sought God, even last night, laying in our church praying, um, for this service, I, I just ask God to help me to help this church. And that is my desire. And I do believe that God has given me direction for this service. And uh, I'm going to preach for a little while. Uh, I'm going to, I would tell you that you're going to get your money's worth, but I don't believe in taking offerings from churches that, uh, that we're having a role in supporting. And, um, so I, I will just tell you that I'm going to get my money's worth. You may not get your money's worth, but I'm going to get my money's worth. Um, if you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And I have a rather lengthy reading. I'm going to read a little bit of it. I'll let you be seated, and then I'm going to read it. And I have some more reading. And it, it's, not, uh, it's not for just time, but it, it is important in what I'm going to convey to you in this message this morning, reading from Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at the 16th verse of Scripture. And just catch up with us when you get there. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And all bear him witness and wondered. Everyone say and wondered. And wondered. At the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Is not this Joseph's son? Skipping now over to the 28th verse of scripture. And all they in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way and came to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power and uh, I'm going to allow you to be seated and uh, thank God for the word today amen? amen you may be seated and then if you would let's turn over to the book of Acts chapter 10 book of Acts chapter 10 and beginning to read with the 34th verse of scripture then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began 
from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we, were witness, we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem when they slew him and hanged him on a tree. And he begins to preach. And if you would now jump with me to verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they, him, to tarry certain days. Now if you look at our text today in these two passages of scripture, I want you to note that I didn't read them just because they're abstract. I read them because they convey an underlying message that I want to preach to you about for a few minutes here this afternoon. And they are in contradiction one to another. We read the book of Luke. We see the ministry of Christ. The Bible said, as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Everybody say, go to church on Sunday. Go to church on Sunday. Now, we go to church on Sunday. The Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday. But Paul already explained to us about the Sabbath. There is no special day. According to the, Paul's teaching, whatever day you set aside, that's the day that God honors. Because the Sabbath was no longer a day, but it's a place in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And God has now given us rest through the Holy Ghost. So you can have church on Monday, and God will show up. Right. You can have it on Tuesday, and God will show up. You can have it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You can have it seven days a week like my great-grandparents used to. And then God showed up every time they had it. Yes. Amen. So Paul begins to, to talk about these things that he begins to write about. The, that the, uh, Peter does. He begins to write about what happens to him when he goes and preaches to the Gentiles. And here we see Luke writing about Jesus' ministry to the Jews. And we see in one place when Jesus begins to preach, they want to kill him. Wow. Yeah. That's right. And the next place when Peter preaches, while he's preaching, there is so much faith and so much agreement that the Holy Ghost falls while he's preaching. And so I'm bringing to you today a message, and it's simply entitled this. I'm preaching in defense of the relationship between the pulpit and the pew. I'm preaching in defense between the relationship, or about the relationship, in defense of the relationship between the pulpit and the pew. Our world today is painted a very nasty, nasty picture of the church. And I'm going to tell you something. There's been some nasty things come out of the church. Yeah. Now, when I say the church, I'm using it as a universal deal. But I don't believe that everybody who puts a sign over the building and calls themselves a preacher or a church is that. Because there are certain biblical earmarks. You and I don't define this church. I don't walk in here and say, I want this church to look like that, feel like that, sound like that. I don't have that permission. Today, what my obligation is, is to find out what the church looks like and then be that. Because the church already has shape and form. This is a whole other message, and I can't get into it today. We don't have time. But we're not creating the church. The church was already created. Right, right, right. Amen. When God came to earth and robed himself in flesh, he came to birth that church. That church already had a plan. It had a blueprint. It already had founders. It already had foundation. It already had principle. It already had power. It already had money. And, and he came and he said, I'm going to birth that church. That church yes. wasn't born in some meeting in post-Nicene or pre-Nicene council. That church was born in an upper room in the book of Acts. That church was born in a prayer meeting. And if you want the church that's born out of the Bible, you're still going to birth that church out of a prayer meeting. Yes. You're still going to birth that church out of a move of God's spirit. Yes. You show me a gathering of people, no matter how much they love God, no matter how much they love being Christians, quote unquote, if God's presence is not manifested, it's not the church. Where God's church is, God will be. He said where two or even three are gathered in my name. 
be right there in the middle of them. My presence will fill wherever I bless to be the church. And there's a lot of confusion. In fact, just even this week, if you paid attention to the news, I don't read the news, but I, I did catch wind of it. There's this huge lawsuit going on in Pennsylvania with a Catholic church. Well, I'm not here to put anybody down that's Catholic or anything. I'm just going to tell you, you have a sincerity if you love God and, and, and you're sincerely following after it. But I'm going to tell you something. That sincerity has got to take you someplace. Yeah. That sincerity has yeah. got to take you to a loyalty to scripture yeah. yes. above loyalty to people and religion. Yeah. I said that sincerity is going to take you to a loyalty of God's word. I'm not here to offend you today. But I've got scripture for what I'm saying. We're looking around and the world is painting an ugly picture of the church. Yeah. But you're looking at the preacher today, this morning. I am thankful for the church of God. I don't have time to tell you all the reasons why. But I am a debtor to God's church. Amen. Yeah, this church has done me wrong and I still owe it things. People have talked about me, but I'm still going to be loyal to God's church. People have mistreated me, but I'm still going to be loyal to God's church. There's going to be times you might as well get this in your head your heart right now. People are going to do me dirty in this church. I'm not here because you're here. I'm here because I feel him here. I'm in the house because God's never done me wrong. God's been better to me than I deserve. God's been more faithful to me than I'm worthy of. God has blessed me when I was unblessable. I owe God today. Hey, this church... I've learned a lot in the church. You ready? I've learned there's going to be gossips in the church. You know what I learned? I'm not going to be one of them. You know, I've learned there's going to be critics in the church. There's going to be people that sit on the pew, armchair quarterbacks. They think they know better than the preacher. I told this story the other day somewhere, not just boasting, but I, 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 belong, I used to belong to a health club in San Jose. It's closed down now, but back in the day, uh, Several of the 49ers would come play basketball with us, and we always played at noon, and they'd come play basketball with us. And so we, we would we would see things. Some we, we were I played basketball all the time. Some of them played football. I was a better basketball player than them, but they were better athletes than me. You know what I found out? Jeff Garcia wasn't very big. You know what I found out? There wasn't nobody in this room going to catch him because he could go full tilt. He could be going from zero, standing there drinking a cup of water to you to a full sprint in three steps. And you know what's easy for armchair quarterbacks to do is to sit on the sidelines and say, well, I don't know why he didn't go that away. Well, you weren't on the field. So it's always going to be somebody in the pew that's not behind the pulpit. They say, well, I don't know why he's not doing this. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to shut your mouth and say, God, just put me in the game. I don't know Turn around and tell your neighbor right now, I'm fighting for my 
You know why the enemy wants you to believe? You gotta fight against it. You gotta try to control it. Don't you sit out there and try to control your church. You just need to get on and say, God, let's let this church go somewhere. Let's let this church become something. And if God carries and doesn't return, let that little baby girl be dedicated, be the most incredible soloist this world has ever seen. Let her be the greatest worship leader the church has ever known. I'm gonna go forward in this church. But don't ever forget, you ready? This church isn't about favoritism. Right. It's not about politics either. Right. The democracy ends at the door. Yeah. Because churches are theocratic, yeah. not democratic. Right. You show me a church that's run by a board, and I'm going to show you a church that's a waste of time. Yeah. Because this thing's worked out in such a way, and God's got it structured in such a way, that he puts all the pressure on one man to be a man of integrity. And you say, well, I've seen preachers mess up. I've seen preachers. Guess what? I have too. But that don't mean I quit. Anybody ever had anybody on your job fired? All the people that tell the truth got their hands in the air. Just want you all to know what side I'm on. You've been on your job. You've seen somebody fired because they did something wrong, right? You didn't throw up and say, this place is full of hypocrites. I'm leaving. You didn't do that, did you? You just went in and said, uh... We good? Yeah, you're fine. Okay, let's go. Is there a chance of promotion since they're gone? You know why? This church is gonna, this church is gonna have problems. But you don't walk out because somebody else does. You have to have the vision that says, "Look, I'm in this for the long haul because I see the I see the benefit being across this This is not a democracy. This is a theocracy. God's in charge. God's got a manual. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. That's why you're here today. God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. God's got a plan for my children. God's got a plan for our building. God's got a plan for our customers. God's got a plan for the people. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that I stay in this church. You know, statistics, I could throw them out to you. They say 50% of first marriages fail. You know, 70% of second marriages fail. 75% of them fail. By the time you get to your third marriage, guess what? You're destined to fail. Yeah. And by the time you get your your, your third, fourth marriage going. Now, by the way, I have to stop and tell you that these are statistics outside of God. Right. 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 So, but, you know, they say statistically by the time you get your third, fourth marriage, yeah. the odds are against you. Right. Like as in you're negative. Like there's 100% plus you're going to get divorced. Yeah. You know why? When people learn how to give up, Come on. Yeah. When people yeah. learn how to walk away from commitment, you right. say, well, Pastor, there's some bad things. You're right. There are. There are people that have walked away from marriages because they had to. And I'm not condemning people from doing it. That's, that's not what we're doing. We're not resolving divorce problems here. Right. We're making an application. When you walk away from here, you're going to have trouble staying the next place. Because you're not going to find a perfect church. And when you find it, it won't be perfect anymore because you showed up. That's right. You messed the church up. You know what you ought to do right now? You ought to touch your neighbor and tell them, say, thank God for imperfect churches. Because that's what lets us come. I said, that's what lets us get in this building today. Thank God for churches with problems. That means I can go there. Thank God this is a church where people have got a struggle with the flesh. That means I fit in right there. Because I'm still trying to get the victory over my flesh. I'm still trying to learn how to live for God. You believe me? I try to shout out amen. But I want to drive this home very clear today. You need to understand, I need to remember today. That this is not a democracy, this is a theocracy, and this is not a natural building. This is a supernatural spiritual entity. Yes, yes, it operates on supernatural, divine interaction. This church is supposed to be spiritual. You know what it has? It has promises and prayers prayed that will never be remembered in this life. But they're still coming to pass. Because remember this about prayer. There are no unanswered prayers. 
All you have to do is go to the end of the book, and the Bible says that God's collected them all. Yeah. And at the last days, he pours out every prayer. Yeah. And he pours them out. You know what this church is? This church is a spiritual thing. And you know what it requires? It requires us to be spiritual. And you know, that's not easy. I tell people, I pray not because I'm spiritual. I pray because I'm carnal. Somebody said, well, I, you know, I'm not that carnal. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. No, you're not. You just have deluded yourself. Into thinking you can do this without bending your knee before God. Come on. Come you remember on. what God told Israel. He said, listen to me. If it ever gets a place where famine's coming, pestilence is coming. If the enemy comes in. If you're ever in a place, even in judgment. If you will humble yourself. Amen. Everybody say humility. humility. You know what prayer is? It's humility. Yes. He said, if you humble yourself and pray. Yes. And seek my face. Yes. He said, then you know what I'll do? He said, I'll turn it all around. You know why we pray? We don't pray because it's church time. I pray because I need Jesus Christ. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I need him before church starts. I need him after church. I need him before I go to work. I need him when I get off work. You know what I want? I want a church that's a spiritual church. I want to be a part of the people that are trying to learn how to walk with God. Someone said, I, you know, I, I don't need prayer that much. And I'm just going to ask you this. How often do you bathe? Anybody says, oh, I don't need a bath once a week. You're lying. You may have convinced yourself that, but there's people all around you have a different opinion. I'm going to tell you something. When you don't pray every day, you may be, see, you may be telling yourself, I'm doing great, but there's people all around you that have got a different opinion. Because there's nothing coming off you that feels good. Well, I could preach about that for a little bit. This is a spiritual church. You know, there's power in your prayer. I can't even tell you how much power there is in your prayer. When I was 17 years old, I was so uh, just caught in this place of rebellion. And uh, one day, my mom and dad were at a place of frustration with me, which I think they lived there. At that stage. And uh, they said, why don't you ever want to hang around the church? Hang around the church people. And I looked at my mom and, and I said, because I hate your church. I said, I hate your God. I don't want anything to do with it. And I know that had to hurt my parents very bad, but that's the way I felt about it. Because I had, I had gotten so caught up in rebellion. When this place becomes your enemy... You're in the wrong place. Right. And you know, fast forward about six months or a year, my parents had kind of almost thrown up their hands in frustration. They didn't know what to do with me. They were praying for me. And I went to church on a Sunday morning. And the rules were, if you live in that house, you went to that church. And if your kid's doing something different, you got the right to be ignorant. I'm just free advertising today. But uh, my parents made me go to church because my dad said, look, you may not serve God, but you're going to church when you live in this house. And you're going to sit on that pew. And when we pray, you're closing your eyes. Right. Yeah. And you're going to respect that place. Right. Yeah. Because you're going to respect what we've given our life to. Right. Yeah. And so I went to church that day. I sat in the back. And I was all mad and full of my rebellion. And, and when you know it, everybody got real spiritual. And the Holy Ghost got to moving. And I knew it was coming. I was like, oh, God, here we go. And I, was, I had my guard up. You didn't want to pray for me that day because I was putting off the don't touch me vibes. And I looked over, and I saw, I saw this lady coming. And I thought, oh, man, I can't tell her no. And then I looked over my shoulder because I was kind of thinking about slipping out to the bathroom. And I looked, and there was a little lady about this tall. She come up beside me. She grabbed me, and she started praying for me. And then the other lady came down my pew, and she grabbed the other arm. She started praying. I'd like to tell you that I prayed through that day, but I didn't. But I'm going to tell you what. I couldn't get out of that church fast enough. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I knew those two ladies 
were prayer warriors. And I thought, if those two ladies are praying for you, you might have to back up on those things you said about, I hate my God, I hate, I hate your God, I hate this church, I don't want anything to do with it. And I left that day, I didn't do anything. Fast forward years later, I'm pastoring the church in San Jose. We've had a Sunday night service. This is probably 2003. And one of those ladies now, one's already gone on to be with the Lord. The other one came forward. She was in town visiting. She walked up to me and she shook my hand. She said, praise the Lord, Brother Jonathan. And she took me by the hand. And Brother Cameron, when she took me by the hand, she never said another word. She looked in my eyes and she shook her head. And she started speaking in tongues and shouting while she held my hand. And I looked, you know, and I, I loved her, respected her. I was taught to respect my elders and not disrespect them. And I looked at her and I thought, I don't know what she's feeling. I don't know what she's going through. But it's something. You know, it hit me years later when God began to give me a revelation about the power of his people in the church. I realized what she started talking in tongues over. I realized why she started shouting. Yeah. Because she shook hands with an answer prayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the boy who said, I hate your God, I hate this church, and the only thing to do with it was a boy that God put in the pulpit to pastor the church. Because of praying people in the pew. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. You've got power like you can't imagine you've got power. Yeah. Because there is something that happens when the people of God yeah. get connected with the leadership in the church. And say, we're going to make a difference in somebody's life. I'm going to tell you, this is a powerful church. When this church starts praying, there are miracles that happen. Backsliders come home when this church prays. Diseases are healed when this church prays. Strongholds are broken when this church prays. Destinies are formed and shaped when this church prays. And I tell you today, the greatest thing you can ever do for your church is hit your knees in humility. simple prayer is a powerless prayer because the most simple prayer you ever pray will make the biggest impact God answers the prayers of his people this needs to be a spiritual church let me talk to you about a few things that we need to we need to avoid for the sake of unity in the church number one the most effective tool that the enemy will use is something that you use in, in trains. You know, a train, a freight train, is, it's an awesome thing. I mean, you think about the weight of just the wheel, just the metal wheel it's riding on, not including all the steel and the, the framework and the steel and the structure to keep it strong as it goes along that, that rail and the racking and the, the turning. That train, man, that's an unstoppable force. You know, you get in a train crossing and a freight train comes barreling by, you're like a bug on a windshield. Yeah. It was like, yeah, somebody was here, now they're not. You want to stop a train? All you have to do is mess with the tracks. You want to bring a train to a screeching halt and you want to use all of its momentum against it? Just derail the train. The train will stop itself. You don't have to do anything. And that's the same way it is with the church. The enemy works to get the church off track. But you know, God's already designed this church in such a way that he chooses the direction and he chooses the destination. And it's just up to us to keep the train on the tracks. Because when a church jumps its tracks, you often describe it as a train wreck. It's a train wreck. You see a church, you see some problems, you see people get carnal and get to fight. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you ever get at odds with anybody in the building today, anybody that's in here, if you're at odds with them, it's not because they did something. It's because you're not walking in the right place. Because a carnal spirit is an offended spirit. 
I said a carnal spirit is an offended spirit. You get offended, it's not because somebody treated you wrong. It's because you're walking in the flesh. We have to learn to walk in the spirit. You know what the greatest thing that you can ever do to your walk with God? And this is not on my notes. I'm giving you this for free. Well, I'm giving everything for free today. So going out of business sale. Listen, the greatest thing you can ever get is the revelation that the devil's going to tell me somebody meant something different. The devil's going to tell me they didn't speak to me because they don't like me. You know what? I just talked to somebody in our church and he was sharing with me about his wife's hearing problems. His wife lost her hearing in one of her ears and he was sharing it with me. And he said, you know, he said it took me a couple of years to figure out that I needed to advocate for her anytime I was around. He said, so now anytime anybody walks up to that side, starts talking to her, he said, I jump right over on that side and say, hey, says, you know, they can't hear you. She can't hear you. She said, he said, because for we went through for a year, people getting mad at the church, at her. Because they'd walk up to talk to her and she wouldn't even respond. I'd say, Pfft. didn't even say. I walked over and talked to her. She wouldn't even say anything to me. And they walked away. She don't love me. She you hypocrite, blah, blah. No, she's deaf in that ear, genius. You gotta give people a break. I said, you gotta give people a break. You gotta come to church where people may not respond the way you want them to. Don't you go throwing them up on a hangman's noose and start killing them because they didn't treat. You don't know what was going on in their life. You don't know what they had to deal with before they came to church. For all you know, it was just a miracle that they made it in the door and sat on a pew. They don't remember what was sung. They don't remember what was preached. But they just remember, I did go to church that day. You've got to make sure you're not playing a role in derailing the church. Don't get offended. Give people a break. You know, I went through some things several years ago, and God had warned me in 2000 it was going to come. And uh, and I, I'd been warned and uh, by an elder. They said things are going to happen, and I kept looking for it because it was going to come. They told me, they said, if you let that bitterness get in you, you'll lose your ministry and lose your family. Amen. And so I was always on guard. I was, But I remember the day it came. And I finally woke up one day and realized that this is what they were talking about. And I'm going to tell you, I was overcome with waves of, of frustration and anger because I'm telling you, it was as if I was standing there handing out free water and somebody came and swung and hit me in the face with a baseball bat. No reason. I was just trying to help people. No reason. And you know, when people do things to you for no reason, you that's when you got to fight your spirit the most. Yes. Don't you step back and say, well, that's the way you're going to be. you you got to get you got to get the victory over that because the only one who gets the glory out of you being hurt is the devil. Yes. And you know, I went to prayer and it was during that time and that season of me praying for those people and praying God bless them and praying God forgive them. And it got to the place where I could pray for them and weep and really sincerely pray everything I asked. I knew I was moving past it and God helped me with a revelation. And this is what he said. He said, you want to know what perfect forgiveness is? I said, yeah. He said, go to Calvary. And I went to Calvary. You know what I found out? When they were doing the most hideous things to him, he lifted his head and said, Father, forgive them. For they what? Say it again. They what? They know not what they do. You know what the greatest victory over offense in the church is? Anytime somebody comes against you and says something nasty and mean about you, when you go to prayer, you just got to say, God, forgive them. They didn't realize how bad they were hurting me. You want to know what forgiveness looks like? He said, go go to the book of Acts. And I did. And I found a man being stoned for just telling the truth. And he lifts up his face. Blood, pain, injury. And he lifts up his face and he says, what? Father, forgive him. For what? You know what your greatest asset is in the church? You've got to look around anytime somebody comes against you and says they just don't know what they're doing. If they knew how bad it was hurting me, they wouldn't do it. If they knew bad how badly it offended me, they wouldn't do it. And when you can live there, you can walk in forgiveness and you will never be a distraction to the church moving on. I'm talking about distractions here today. There are things the church has to conquer if we're going to walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You know, I talked about your prayer life. Number one, you got to get over distractions. 
Right. Come on. You read 1st, 2nd Timothy chapter 3, you're going to find out that Paul talks about the multitude of things that are going to be going on in this last day. But then you read 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, and he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You want to get over distractions in the last days? Turn off all your radio programs. Quit reading the newspaper online. I don't know if anybody gets it in print anymore. If they do, they get it delivered to the horse and wagon. Listen, you got to learn how to turn off all that stuff. And you got to learn how to turn on the one thing you know. You've got to continue in the things that you hear preached and taught at your church. Amen. That's how you overcome distractions. Well, we got to solve the political problem. we got to solve the tax problem. Hey, baby, it's going to be solved one day, but not with a politician. It's going to be solved when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming for this church. Don't get distracted. You overcome distractions by continuing to do the things we know to do. When your world seems to be coming apart, let me tell you how to deal with it. You ready? Go to church. When your world seems to be falling apart, let me tell you what to do. Go to church and then get up and then give your tithes and offer. When your world seems to be coming apart, you don't know what to do. Go to church, give faithfully, lift up your hands and worship God. And read your Bible and pray because you've already been told how to overcome distractions. We overcome those distractions by being faithful. Everybody shout out faithfulness. Faithfulness. Take something else that'll get a hold of the church. I'm just preaching what I felt God laid on my heart. You know, I've never preached this message after I preached it the first time. I preached it at a conference in another state. God gave it to me for that conference. I've never preached it again. It's just been sitting in my, my, my journals. But this morning, God spoke to me when I got here and said, this is what I was to preach. So don't get mad at me over the meal. I'm just cooking what the chef ordered. All right? You know what to kill the church and hurt the church and strip you of your anointing? Competition. 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 This isn't about us. It's about him. You ready? This church is not about your pastor. This isn't a personality-driven church. He's going to be up here in the pulpit preaching. He's going to be up here leading the service. But it's not about him. It's about him. Yes. You got to, you got to repeat that spirit. The enemy wants to make it personal. And why, and why can't my child? Or why can't I play? Or why can't I play the drums? Or why can't I get up there? Let me tell you something. This is a very small area, and this is just a little fragment of what ministry is all about. I tell my people in my church, you know what? I preach three times a week, and everybody says, I want to be a preacher. I'm looking at you telling you that's about 10% of my week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah preaching's the easy part. Don't let the spirit of competition get a hold of you. Don't let it start working in your church. When somebody starts saying, well, why can't we? Why can't I? Why can't they? Why can't You need to back up and say, this isn't about me. This isn't about you. This isn't about them. This is about him. And we're going to keep focused on the right thing. And if my pastor needs me to sit there and be a handcuffer, I'm going to be a handcuffer. Because this is about him and not me. And if he wants me to back you and I never get up here and preach, I'll back you. This is about him and not me. If you ever see a runner win a race and they cross that line, they break that tape on that sprint, they usually will win it with their head. They get their head out in front of them. (laughs) Nobody ever jumps up and down and says, Woo! That head won the race. (laughs) Do they? No. You've never ever seen them cut somebody's head off and say, Y'all did nothing. Take that head up to the podium, put it up there, put the gold around it. If that head ever crosses the finish line, it's got a lot of people to thank. That's right. It's got two feet, two knees. Yeah. It's got some thighs and hips to think. It's got a spine. It's got some arms. It's got some lungs to think. It's got a nervous system. It's got a heart. It's got some blood. That's right. It's got some eyes. It's got some ears. Yeah. 
I know, I know this happened not too terribly far from here. They decided that they didn't like the pastor they had, so they were going to not support him financially, and they were going to take it out the back door and go give it to the previous pastor. And they turned on the pastor, and he about starved himself to death trying to pastor that church, couldn't figure what was going on. Our church sent him an offering to help him out. I helped him move out of state. He resigned that church and left. You know what happened? That previous pastor thought he got, thank God that isn't going on around here. Amen. We got men of God. Amen. Not hirelings. There's a difference. You want a man of God. You don't want, you don't want to hire your pastor. You want a man of God who'll look you in the face with tears running down their face and tell you the truth. You may not like it, but you need a man of God that'll look at you and say, that's not right. And if you're going to go to heaven, you can't do that. You don't want a spineless wimp. You don't want a politician. Right, right. you got to pray for your pastor. God give him backbone enough to stand up to me. Amen. That's right, because I'm not going to go to heaven because i got a good friend. Right. I'm going to go to heaven because i got a shepherd who's watching out for my soul. I'm going to have to have a shepherd that gets, up on the, that gets up on the wall and sees things. I don't have any idea out there. It says, listen to me, you need to be careful about this. I'll tell you another story before I finish that story. You know what happened? That pastor took all those ties from the one who was in the pulpit and thought he was smart because he got the church back. I told you churches have problems. You know what happened? The next pastor came in and kicked him out. Because if the pastor loses, the church loses. If you lose as a saint, I lose as a shepherd. We're all in this together, folks. I said, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. When we shake hands, it isn't just because we need to spend a little time to wait for the television commercial to go over. We, we need to know one another. I need you, brother. God bless you. So good to see you here. It's nice to know I'm in the trenches with people that know how to show up every week. That's nice to know when I'm down, you got my back for me. Amen. I know you're here every service. I know it's going to be good. I, I may come in and not feel like being here one day, but, but I know you're going to get my back and you're yeah. going to pray for me and you're going to encourage me. You're going to love me. You're going to say, hey, you can make it. You're going to pick me up when I'm down. That's what I'm preaching about right now. When the pastor wins, the whole church wins. Yeah. That's why you got to pray, God, to put a fresh anointing on my pastor. That's the third thing I want to talk about. Finality will ruin your church. You need to pray, God, give my pastor a fresh anointing. Let the Holy Ghost come upon him. Let him get on him. Let him give me a word from heaven. I want a word from God. I don't want a fancy message. I don't want a positive thought. I want direction for my life. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, they want church to give them a, a Swiss Army knife. I want you to tell me how to cut my can open when I'm camping and trim my nails when I'm in my office. I want you to teach me all this stuff and then give me a toothpick. You ever had a Swiss Army knife? Yeah. Some of you have? Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And tweezers in case I get a splinter on a, sh on a sharp pencil. They want, they want the pastor to, to deal with all their little problems. Pastor, preach, preach about something important like... How are we going to balance our checkbook? Let me tell you how to balance your checkbook, kid. It's free. Pay your tithes. It works. God becomes your financial advisor. I'm not saying that because I need the money. I'm saying that because you need to pay your tithes. Amen. Amen. Carnality will kill the church. 
You don't need the pastor to come in and give you something to deal with all your little issues. You need somebody to come in and give us vision. I need to know where I'm going. Because I've got so many things going on in my life right now. I need to know we're going to get there. I can't fix every little board in my boat that's leaking. But I need to know that God's going to reassure me today. We're going to make the journey. I'm going to survive this. There's a lot of water around my feet. And I don't feel things going well. And I'm socked in with clouds. And there's a lot of waves. But pastor, when I go to the house of God, I don't want you to tell me how to get caulking out and fix a wet board. I want you to tell me that one day I'm going to tie this boat up to the dock of promise. And one day I'm going to get out of this wet boat and I'm going to be standing on the rock. And you pray, God, put a fresh anointing on my pastor. And I'm closing now. I'm hurrying to close. I'm going to talk to you about the anointing before I do. Psalms chapter 133, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Anybody ever heard that psalm before? Amen. Amen. Nobody ever heard it? Okay, just checking. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. It's in reference to the oil. He said it's like the precious ointment, the unity. When all of us come together, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. Now he's telling us about the anointing. He's talking about when Moses brought Aaron out and anointed him to be the first priest. And he took that container of oil and poured it over his head. And he wanted him to be anointed. And he just kept pouring. And it ran down his head to his beard. From his beard to his garments. From his garments downward. All the way to the ground. And before long, the anointing oil of that priesthood ran from top to bottom. Everybody say from top to bottom. You know why you want an anointed pastor? Because you want to be an anointed person. I said, you want to be an anointed person. No, I didn't call you anointed saints because none of us are saints yet. We want to be anointed people. And he said, it's like when you get together, it's like that oil that ran down Aaron's head to his beard, to his garments. And you know what? Here's how it is in magnitude. It's like the dew that runs down Mount Hermon that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where? Not on Mount Hermon. There, the unity. The gathering place of the people. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Even life forevermore. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know what happens when we get here? The anointing flows. And it flows in your life. And it flows in your world. You know, before we go here today, God's going to manifest that anointing. God's going to manifest it in your life right now. Because in just a moment... I'm going to have you reach over. If it's appropriate, I'm going to have you take the person by you by the hand or lay your hand on their shoulder. And I'm going to ask you to start praying. And I'm going to ask you not to pray for yourself, but to pray for them. And you're going to pray, God, I don't know what they're going through, but I want you to be supernaturally powerful on their behalf today. And as we begin to bind together and pray, there's an anointing that flows down. Because God anoints us to be a blessing to others. God doesn't anoint me to preach so I can perform. This is not performance. This is ministry. This is impartation. I prayed not because I'm trying to impress you with my spirituality. I've already explained why I prayed. But I'm going to tell you another reason why I prayed. I prayed because I would never want to step up to a podium if I didn't know God was with me. That's right. If God's not going to help me, I'm not coming up here. That's right. If I don't feel that confidence and that breakthrough in prayer, I'm not preaching. Yeah. Yeah. My wife will tell you that there's there's just even recently, I've been preaching now for many, many years, several decades, and I can tell you that I still have an absolute obsession with God. You gotta help me. Yes. You gotta help me. You gotta help me. Yes. I'll fast, I'll pray, I'll miss sleep. I won't sleep if God's not gonna help me if I don't feel that help coming. Because I have nothing to offer you right. in myself. But if I can get the fresh anointing of God's Spirit flowing, and it can come down upon me, it'll come upon you. And then if you're ready, miracles will happen. I said miracles will happen. Miracles aren't going to happen because I walk through the church and pray. Miracles are going to happen because the church prays in the anointing. There's a certain place. I tell this all the time when I'm out preaching, and I really am done. We're going to pray in about three minutes. 
There's a certain point in time, and it's happening right now in this message. I've prayed. I've sought God. I've even fasted this week praying, God, help me to be a blessing to your people. There's a place and time where that anointing comes off me. And that anointing goes upon the people to perform what I preached about. And now I'm going to tell this congregation today, the anointing's on you. Come on, why don't you close your eyes for just a minute, all over the building. I want you to just say it. The anointing's on me right now. The anointing is upon me right now. The anointing is upon me to be a blessing to somebody. Now, with your eyes closed, reach over and lay your hand on the person next to you and start praying one for another. Come on, start praying on the Holy Ghost. Don't pray little prayers. I want you to let the Holy Ghost pray through you. If you got the Holy Ghost, come on, I want you to just pray. You no need to look around. No, no, no need to even participate. If you don't want to, you don't have to. This is not obligatory. But if you want the blessings of God to flow in your life, you ought to just close your eyes and pray for the person next to you so it can flow on you also. I want the anointing of the Holy Ghost.
And what I'm about to say, listen, it requires a high, everybody give me attention, just a few minutes. It requires a very high level of vulnerability. And a lot of people don't like to make themselves vulnerable. I'm not going to ask you to stand and tell us your innermost dark secret. That's not it. But it's going to require a certain level of honesty. And it's going to require the entire church's participation. I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to tell you to categorize it. All I'm going to ask of you today is to acknowledge it. Because after what I've preached, I believe God wants to move in this church this week. And what I want you to do right now, if you have a need and you just want this church to join with you in prayer about that need, they don't even have to know what it is. But if you just want this church to pray for you, I want you to just lift up your hand right now. Just hold it up. Hold it up. And I want this congregation to look around. Every head. Leave your hand up. Everybody in this building, look around. I want you to see those that have got their hands up. You know what you're doing right now? You're making a pledge. Sister, I'm going to pray for you. I don't even know what your problem is. Brother, I'm going to pray for you. I don't even know. Sister, I'm praying for you. That's it. Look around. Those of you got your hands up, I'm going to pray for somebody over there. I'm not going to pray about my need this week because I got God people praying for my need. I'm going to start praying for them. Now one more time, let's lift up our hands and let's thank God for His anointing, for His Spirit, for His help, for His strength. Come on, would you just close your eyes and thank God for your church today. Come on, praise God for your church. Praise God for the little building. Praise God for all of the struggles of building a congregation. Why don't you thank him for the generations that are going to grow up in this truth in this church? That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, you may not even know what their need is, but you can start praying right now this Sunday afternoon. Come on, you can start praying right now. And God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost is in this place. God, is about this sanctuary to help us to lift one another's hands up right now. I don't know what the need is, but I know the one who does. And I don't know what your problem is, but I know the problem solver. I know the God that can do miracles. I'm